No credentials. Greatest album. Well, you you hit record, Ben, and I'll get us rolling here. Oh, you did already. I did. We're going. We're recording. Okay. All right. Yep. Okay. Well, then I'll say the words. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again on the Sound Logic Podcast. Today we're discussing album number eighty-two on Rolling Stone Magazine's Top Five Hundred Greatest Album List. This is. There's a riot going on by Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, as longtime listeners know, when Mike and I get to an album uh, that we don't know very much about, we like to bring on a guest from time to time. And I'm really excited today to have one of my fellow State College residents, uh, Terry Watson, is joining us today. Terry's title in our town and on campus, I guess, at Penn State is the Assistant Director for Student Disability Services at World Campus. Uh, But Terry is also, uh, as we were talking about before we got going here, active in so many different parts of our community. Um, I got to know Terry just a little bit through our our shared work with uh, Campus and Community in Unity, an effort to um, work at bridging the divide between our campus and our townspeople, but also forming relationships with law enforcement. We are a town here that is um, increasing in its diversity, but still policed almost entirely by white officers. And we're um, working to (laughs) try and make a better uh, situation there. Not only that, Terry is an author who has a book that came out just not too long ago, right? Like in March. Mike came out in March. Okay, so not yet a year. Welcome to the sick mind of a sane person, deconstructing racism and white supremacy. Um, this is, this is a, a, we're really fortunate to have Terry here with us tonight, especially to talk about an album like this that comes out of the civil rights movement, that comes out of a very, very um, kind of a pressure point in American history. And uh, I'm really excited that you said yes, Terry. And so glad you're here. I know that that is a lengthy introduction, but it's nowhere close to describing who you are. How do you describe yourself as uh, as you're introducing yourself to people these days? I, I always say that I, I hate like people when they read my bio and there's an awkward moment <laughs> when you gotta listen to about yourself. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wear many hats. You know, um, I, I think the important piece for me is that um, when I am doing the work um, that sort of that social justice work is that I see myself as a change agent um, and so for me I like to consider myself that 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 person um, um, but yeah it's, it's a pleasure to be here um, discussing this uh, album you know it's interesting because when you reached out to me of course I <clears throat> I, uh, I was sort of listening to listening to it um, uh, the ride and it, it really got me thinking about some of the social justice movements that took place yeah. uh, and the music that impacted it over time too so yeah that was yeah. fantastic what comes to mind for you um this isn't a question that we normally ask but uh music is so pivotal in so many uh social justice issues are there albums that are deeply personal for you when when you think about those those pieces of music that, that tie to specific moments in time? Yeah, there's a lot, of actually. Um, funny enough, you're talking about Canada, right? Because um, <laughs> you're from Canada. And, and, and yeah. what's interesting was one of my all-time favorite musicians is Canadian. 
um, I had to remind myself that too when I was at the museum because I was looking for I was at the African American Museum looking for his like his his his, his material and I didn't see oh. it. There. I was like, wait, wait why are getting snuffing about? And I was thinking, I said, oh my gosh, he's Canadian. He wouldn't be in the <laughs> African American <laughs> Museum. <laughs> of course, I'm from with the great pianist Oscar Peterson. Oscar Peterson yes. is probably oh. one of the greatest musicians of all time. Yes. Um, and, and honestly, one of the most greatest pieces that he wrote uh, was called "Him the Freedom." Um, hmm, um, yeah. And him, the freedom. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with it, it's, it's one of the probably one of the only Oscar Peterson songs I could play from start from start to finish. Because you know oh, Oscar wow. Peterson, he's probably one of the most. I would argue, <laughs> probably in our generation, the the greatest, if not the second greatest piano player of all times. Right? Mm. I, I think he only comes second to Art Tatum. Um, but uh, you know. He, he, what I think about it, what he's contribute to uh, music, you know, he's, he's definitely tops. And and uh, "Him the Freedom" was one of the songs he wrote um, specifically for the civil rights movement, right? Um, mm. And 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 I think that when you listen to it, um, you can feel that he was he incorporated everything that the civil rights movement meant, uh, everything that it stood for. Um, the progression that it was taken on and i remember watching a video of him playing the song and you can see it even in, in his in his expression so I, I when i think of that's probably my all-time favorite um and I, if, I, if i would call it that protest songs um yeah yeah um uh, so he he he's my and i think the second one that come to my come to mind is um Nina Simone, um, oh yeah, Mississippi, you got damn. You know, I I, oh, yeah. I I think there are so many musicians who made a stand through music, um, yep. and so it was it was it was it was a delight to see that you guys were talking about this uh, tonight. Yeah, he he follows a a little bit of a line for us. Um, this 2020 Rolling Stone list starts with Marvin Gaye's What's Going On um, and then along the way we've gotten to like even even To Pimp a Butterfly which is a lot more modern has been um, seen by some as a, a, an album that speaks to a specific moment in time and um, and, even, and you know We Gonna Be Alright is, is often lifted up at, at uh, racial justice spaces as well um, yeah and, and music is like I mean it's best when it's authentic and it's authentic when it's speaking to the time. I think we see that regardless of if it's talking about racial justice, um, when you've got authenticity, it's usually resonating with something that's going on in the world. Mike, am I remembering correctly that one of the newer elementary schools in Stouffville, your your hometown, is named after Oscar Peterson? Oscar Peterson uh, uh, Elementary School. The the So it's a newer school, and the rumor is that when... So this one of the public schools in town that I went to was called Orchard Park, and that got torn down, and a new school built in a newer section. They named it Oscar Peterson. The rumor I heard is that they didn't want to change their letterhead. OP, Orchard OP. Park, <laughs> Oscar Peterson, and so they were trying to find a famous Canadian that they could model it after that's and they use that so i don't know if that's true or not a family member told me that who was on some different parent teacher boards at the time uh 
there are others that say they just wanted a great Canadian who it was probably around the time of his passing or shortly after, maybe within five years after. So that kind of makes sense too. They're honoring, you know, the late great at that time, uh, or it was always relevant, obviously for Oscar Peterson, but at the time, you know, it's on the front of everyone's mind, but, uh, yeah, Oscar Peterson and it's in the newer, it's in a newer section. I'll be careful when I say it's in a newer section of town and because of we're so close to the big city of Toronto and seeing a lot of urban sprawl, of course, there's more diversity in the people who are moving to town and in the new homes that are being built. So it kind of makes sense. Um, and I think it's appropriate uh, that some of the schools in older sections, it's a small town, but some of the schools in the older section of town are still less diverse. Yeah. And so this new school, I think it's appropriate to to celebrate diversity there as well. So yes, Oscar, I didn't even put two and two together. You're right. Oscar Peterson <laughs> Elementary School right here in town in Stobo. Cool. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, just, I just love everything he stood for. He was just uh, oh, yeah. the whole story. Of, and, and again, I, I'm a, I, I'm, I, as you can see, my little peon back here, I'm, I'm, I'm a musician as well. So I, I really uh, love some of the what he put out there too and I think the way they the way that um, I actually so in my book actually funny story is that in my book um, it's it's the last section of my book is called Closing In on the Fifth Note uh, and I sort of wrote about Oscar Peterson and what it what it, what his music has done for me when I'm thinking about social justice mm-hmm. um, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I'm not sure how much you guys want to dive into the jazz arena but um one of the cool things about jazz mu- jazz music is obviously not just the chords and progressions but is the fact of how they would at least for oscar peterson he would repeatedly use his left hand and he would tap that fifth note in his bass and he'll yeah. co- constantly tap it to the tempting you right like okay what is oscar because oscar peter has the most craziest runs right you you know i i i, I you can't even describe it right but you know, he's he's always tapping that that fifth note in a bass and then he'll get to a point where he had dirt 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 then he just go totally off right i think one of my favorite songs well, again a lot of my favorite songs is you know, he did see uh see see blues jam um and he did that over and over and over again but I, I, it got me thinking when we talk about social justice, it's like I call it playing the fifth note, right? You know, he uses it to tempt his listeners <laughs> to to get them excited. And then he goes for a run. And I always say in social justice, what is it that we do to get us, you know, motivated, get us excited mm. before we go for a run? And I, and I, and I, mm. and, and um, so, so, so music itself lends itself to those conversations. Yeah. Oh man. You if know. we're not careful, we could just chat about, <laughs> Nothing related to the music tonight, right? Uh, we better we better dive in. Do you want to start us off with some details, Mike? Yeah, let's. We'll just go over some quick details just to set the stage. Details, 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 details. Uh, just to set the background here, if you haven't listened to it, you know, pause the podcast, go listen to the album. Uh, you know, get familiar with this great music. There's a Riot Going On was released November 1st, 1971. Uh, all songs written by Sly Stone, uh, given name Sylvester Stewart, but we all know him as Sly Stone. It charted number three in the UK, but went to number one on the US pop chart and the number one soul albums chart. So it was a big hit uh, stateside. Certified platinum in the US, so that's uh, 
That's a million, right? That's a million. Yeah, that's a million. It's different in Canada, so I always get it mixed up. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's like a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand Canada. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so the title was was a response, was like an answer to Marvin Gaye's question, "What's going on?" And his response was, "There's a riot going on," mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. I didn't know that beforehand. Uh, it was originally released to mixed reviews. Uh, but since then, the album has been praised as one of the greatest and most influential recordings of all time, having impacted the funk, jazz funk, and hip-hop genres in particular. Uh, Stone's intention was of a darker, more conceptual work. It was influenced by uh, drug use and the events, not his drug use, but drug use in general, the events uh, that writer Miles Marshall Lewis called the death of the 60s. Also, political assassinations, police brutality, and uh, the decline of the civil rights movement and social disillusionment. I think it was his drug use as well. Was it his was, drug use? Okay. He was really heavily into sure. uh, drugs at the time um, to the tension of, of the, a lot of the band members. Like it, it was, uh, the band was falling apart partially because of how deep he was getting into, um, right. into drugs. And, and like uh, there have been a number of folks who've said his, the way his life was going was almost like a mirror to the way he felt like the world was going. Like, okay, the, the, the country's collapsing, and so is the band, and so is my life. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the, and this is sort of the result of all of that. Those things. Yeah, thanks for that correction because I wasn't sure how to read that <laughs> because we talk about these social issues, yeah. and I didn't know if it was personal or social. It sounds like probably both. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, the album produced three singles. Family Affair, um, Running Away, and You Caught Me Smiling. Um, a reminder to listeners, Ben and I are true fourth cousins, so this podcast is also a family affair. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it's a bad joke. It's a bad dad joke. Um, a cousin joke, I guess. I think I said this off, Mike. It's probably important to point out, um, right before... Uh, Rolling Stone came out with a new list. We were almost at our review on the old 2012 list of Sly and the Family Stone's greatest hits. Right. And it is like all the radio hits, all the stuff that, that they are known for. It is not this. It is <laughs> it is happy yeah. and, and upbeat and poppy. Uh, it doesn't have the darkness of this album. Um, there was a that greatest hits album was put out because the band was getting so dysfunctional they didn't really want to work together and the record label kept saying we need something we need something we need something and finally they released a greatest hits album of a band that really hadn't put out all that much music yet but out of like an effort to just Mm. get something out there we get this greatest hits album which is also considered to be a great album and i think is still on this this new list it's just been shuffled around a little bit um, but so this really caught me by surprise, this intensity here. I was bracing for, you know, those, those greatest hits. And, and boy, there's, there's a lot more complexity here to, to it. Um, and I think, yeah, for listeners who are, who are getting to this for the first time, it might catch you by surprise as well. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, too, that you, that you mentioned um, in this particular um situation that they were asked to produce music um, yeah. in, in chaos um, 
and I think part of that response it sort of reminds me of the MLK quote, right? It's the the riot is the the voice of the unheard, mm. um, and and, I, and 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 it could be um, mm. contribute that when you have a you have artists, actually any artists, but specifically musicians, who is trying to figure out things, either it be band dynamics, music, uh, co- uh, the culture around them, um, and they're being forced to uh, provide content. Um, yeah. This is probably what you get. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, especially when they're coming out of, like, a radio-friendly phase, I'm guessing the record label's not too thrilled when this is what they finally wind up with. <laughs> like, yes. Give us some of that ear candy, you know, like not not this. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like I like that perspective too. Like when you when you push someone too hard, you're it's going to get dark. It's going to yes. get dark in a hurry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 One thing I didn't mention too. This is this is their fifth studio album. So this is, you know, along the along the road of their progression as a as a group together. Yeah. We'll move on to the next part here. This and this is a, I'm really interested to talk about this one. Uh, we always love to talk about the the album artwork, the album cover, and this one. It's um, again, look it up if you're not familiar. It's, it's American flag, but slightly modified. So notice a few differences. Number one, uh, instead of blue behind the stars, it's black, and instead of stars, they are suns. Um, there's symbolism there that uh sly was a part of and i can't i wrote it down here okay so he was a part of creating it um the suns are to symbolize uh stability he felt that we're searching for the stars but the sun is constant so we wanted stability there interesting consider what we talked about in terms of his personal life (laughs) um out of chaos uh black kind of uh, symbolized the absence of color um, and white was supposed to represent you know for all colors that could come from white light and red he felt was the one thing that unites all humanity and that's blood we all share uh, the same blood or red blood the NR director Steve Paley he took the picture and then three flags were created um, one for Sly one like actual flags one for epic records so for the record labor and one for steve paley so they actually made three of these uh so kind of kind of interesting background behind it um maybe not quite as as uh stark as what was it um outcast stankoni album where they have it but it's oh, like it's upside down white. yeah it's black and white was that one up? no not upside down but it was black and white so yeah. This is maybe not quite as a, a dark statement, but still, I think anytime you change a national flag, uh, <laughs> you, you put yourself out there, especially I think yeah. there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, careful of the words I use here. There's, there's a lot around the American flag. <laughs> um, yes. And, and if once, as soon as you tamper with it, you know, you're, you're inviting a response. You're inviting a response. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say put an adjective there but you're inviting a response <laughs> you, can, you can put an adjective there i mean it's not 
it's not too surprising or, or shocking to know that, that people, I mean, we, we get our kids to pledge allegiance to the flag each morning, which is something as a Canadian that's still hard for me to wrap my head around. Like, it, we're not pledging to the country. Like, hey, kids, stand up and pledge allegiance to this flag here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so it's important for, for a lot of people. I think, yeah, did Outcast yeah. have the stars upside down? I think that's what it was. The stars were inverted. Yeah. I think the flag looked proper, except the stars were pivoted yes. upside down. And it was black and white, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it was interesting because uh, looking at the talking about the flag, and this is the part where I would say that I'll be careful because this kind of will get me in trouble. <laughs> no, but when, when we, you're talking about the flag, because the flag is a representation, right, for so many things yeah. to so many people, um, and, I, and and the American flag in particular, because. You know, uh, each star represents something, right? Each stripe represents something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever you have um, anyone, I was I was just talking to my kid, my daughter about this because we were watching a show in which they were trying to turn a flag into outfits, and you know, and that's you know that's another conversation to be had. But uh, any tampering with the flag in in, in in America is sort of seen as taboo. Um, but um, I, I, that's really that's really interesting to, to change the reason for changing the the stars into suns. Um, yeah. Um, because you know, and, and, and again, 1970s. Like, I mean, that's late 60s, or early 70s was a time in which a lot of people were searching for answers. Yeah. Right. Yep. So uh, I, I think that we would have to credit that that analogy um, because that's exactly what this country was doing. Is we're searching for answers. We were just yep. on the cuff of a civil rights bill being passed. Um, this was uh, the same time as you know. I mentioned my my work that I do with disability. This was also when the disability movement was really kicking into gear too, right? Mm-hmm. Getting ready to pass that that legislation with the uh, 1973 uh, ADA Act. So, so many different um, things was going on in this country. I, I think searching is definitely a word that I, I would use. Um, yeah. And again, I, I agree with you about the, trying to find an adjective for it you know <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where uh, when when you're and again as an artist as you're trying to express what you see most people won't get it anyway and I think mm. as an artist you just accept that that you know what mm. there are going to be a, a good number of folks who are just not going to get it um, and, yeah. I, and I think that's probably where this, this led to Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. So let's move into the music. Uh, ben and I both mentioned, or Ben did, and I'll agree, this is this is a new album for me. Not familiar with the music here uh, ahead of time. Listened to it a bunch. Um, uh, but Terry, you know, you 
I think we might have asked you a little bit off air, but um, you know, you of course have some experience with this, so I don't know how how you want to start. You can you can tell us some of your favorite tracks, or maybe if uh, you remember some of the first times you heard this, like uh, you know, what's what's some of your what are the first interactions you think of uh, when you think about this album. So psychedelic was the first thing that came in my mind. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, yeah. The, 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 you know, it's, it's interesting. So I, when we were talking about the possible drug use, I was like, there is no way the person who created his music was not doing something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, um, I, 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 I think it was dismissed because of that. Like, I think there's one reviewer that just called it Muzak. Like, it was just like, it's just background music. Um, not recognizing that there's something more to it here. Like, I think, and if you're not careful, you can easily dismiss it quickly for that reason. Like, this is just psychedelic nonsense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because um, I could think of every genre where that has taken place. Um, where at one point it was dismissed. Um, uh, I, uh, there's a, so I'm thinking about music history. Um, uh, even when you look at stuff like uh, James Brown, right? The critics mm-hmm. was like, is this a man yelling on a, on, on the radio? No one's going to understand what he's saying. And, and I think the, the world, especially for, 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 for uh, African-Americans, we knew exactly what he's saying. So mm-hmm. I, I would say the same thing about this album. It's, you know, it'll give me like, you didn't have to be on drugs to understand the meaning of what he was trying to, what, the, what the, this, this album was trying to communicate, right? Um, so for me, I, I think the first, the first thing that came to my mind was definitely psychedelic. The second thing that, um, that I, I started thinking about was um, all of the. So you listen to it; it sort of sounded to me like it was a a um, a, a, a collage of different genres, right? Um, mm. I, 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 it's hard to explain, right? I, I I felt a little bit like if you listen hard enough, you say, okay, ooh, I hear a little bit of this, I hear a little bit of that, um, and you sort of see that. Uh, that in this representation of music that it was trying to portray what America was at that time right mm-hmm. and so um, I mean I, 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 I can't even think of the what was being used as far as instruments go you know I, I think um, there was a um, barrage of instruments that was being used yeah. even to, in, in the songs itself um, and you know, some instruments just go together, some clash. I think this one was like, we go to see what fits, and we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what, what goes. Um, and also, uh, the the yeah, I, I like the word funk because it definitely uh, uh, put that um, out there too. Um, um, but for me, I think when you compare it to what the social justice movement was. It was again. A, 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 um, it was contributing what was happening at the time, and also what was um, 
what was sort of missing in our society. Um, mm. Now, one thing I didn't know until tonight was that it was a response to what's going on, right? Yeah. Um, I think knowing that puts a different perspective in my mind. Like, it, it was mm. like, it's a ride. And the interesting part about this all is that when we... Um, uh, think about um, sort of any soul music, right? Uh, that looks at um, um, telling a story or bringing a light, bringing to light what's happening in the the world around us. Um, I think that you always going to get some kind of pushback, and I think mm. that's what I was saying before. Like, I wouldn't expect this to be to to come out and folks not want to push back at it so um and 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 i don't and also not looking for like you know it to be critically acclaimed or anything like that it was just this is what it is this is what's happening and i think there's many many musicians many albums that speaks to that same notion too a lot that don't ever get heard too right like yes uh, they just don't have enough popularity or attraction for people ever to listen but, but yes. there's something being poured out into it you, you both are way more into the world of jazz music than I am that's an understatement um, <laughs> but uh, I'm curious to, to have that jazz uh, label applied to this psychedelic funky thing but also jazz what does that genre do for the feel of this or the experimentation of this the the attitude that they're trying to create it often sounds like they're just jamming on this mm-hmm. album um playing off of each other playing off of the key change um can you talk to me a little bit as someone who's fairly ignorant to the world of jazz about whether you hear jazz here and and how that might be contributing to this feeling of uh a riot yeah, I, I will. I think the the first thing and, and the answer to your first question, Ben, is when you put the word jazz into this space of the, uh, of uh, uh, the right album, is that jazz is usually a it, it's sort of like in its definition, right? Jazz is a uh, sort of a, a an expression of what we and what we see the status quo as, right? Um, if you if you look at jazz music, you know, or uh, actually, I'll say jazz music. I would put psychedelic in that space too, right? It's a um, it's really a an interpretation of life, but not with the I'm going to go along with the status quo, right? Um, um, I think people when you look at jazz music, what get people excited about jazz is that unique chord or that unique sound or um, sometimes even tension. Like, I, I think uh, if you listen to that album, there's a lot of tense moments. I, like, where it's sort of hard to describe. Not really, it's actually easy to describe, actually. It's like when you listen to the album, you're thinking that you're thinking to yourself, ooh, that's, that's well, I just want to do that to, on, on, on a track, right? Yeah, and and right. I think... When's it going to resolve? When's, yes. when's the melody going to resolve? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And I think same thing with jazz music. It allows folks to process the world around them differently. Now, one thing I will say, too, is whenever you do that, 
that I remember there was a so I was talking about we were having this my internal debate to my, in my own brain about the the best piano player jazz piano player of all times right um, uh, I remember when someone was reviewing Art Tatum um, they call it nonsense they said that they wish that Art Tatum could play traditional classical music this is a true story by the way um and this was actually at a club and there was a lady at the club and um she was like oh well, you could do that you know pretty much that boogie woogie on the piano but you know why can't you do like uh, like a mozart something classical and he stops and he starts playing classical music right and she's like Oh, <laughs> and, and the thing about it was, I, 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 I always say this to those who don't know: if, if you have a jazz musician, most likely they are classically trained because mm. jazz is definitely an interpretation of classical music in some sense. But what that moment for that for Art Tatum was to say, "This is my world," right? And I think the same thing with this album, right? And it's like, "This is my world." And whenever you have musicians who are willing to put themselves out there to show what they how they see the world, yeah, it is definitely um, something that's going against the status quo. And I same thing with this album too. I think the first time I listened to it, it was definitely like, okay, there's a lot of tension building here. And you're sort of looking for the quote-unquote release, right? When is it going to get easy or uh, when is it going to... And again, that's what it's meant to do. Mm. To me, one of the things that, that stands out on this album, and, and this isn't a revelation, this is, this is just what I think, is, is really the instrumentation. I mean, this is when I think of... And I know this music, this album isn't just funk. But when I think about funk, this is the kind of sound that that comes on in my head. Like I've, I've got it going through my my headphones right now, just in the background. But the instrumentation, the guitars, the, the synthesizers—I don't know if it's if they've got Fender Rhodes, different things. But so many genres are similar in terms of the phrasing, the chord changes, the progressions. But what's different is the instrumentation. And to me, this is all the classic, stereotypical funk instrumentation that's here. The the, the real bendy guitars, the, that synthesizer, um, the, the, the background vocalizations, the where they come in. It's so funky uh, in in the best sense of the word. And I think that's the first thing that I think about. Ben, we've talked about there's different uh, genres. Uh, or, or periods of genres that have kind of become caricatures or are taken by a mainstream. Like we yeah. talked about like that 80s rap music. We yeah. talked, when we listened to like Eric B and Rakim, we listened to it and we thought, you know, this was by the time us white kids in Toronto were hearing that kind of stuff on commercials and TV shows, you know, in the 90s, it was almost like a caricature. It was like a... I don't want to say a mockery, but it was like it had been turned into something else. So it was almost yeah. like a bit of a joke to us when we heard this as something really fresh in 86, 87. It was hard for me to get into that. And I think that happens yeah. with funk. It happens with jazz. It happens with, with a lot of different types of music. And when you have an opportunity to listen to something like this in the early form of a genre, it's one, really refreshing, but two, you know, just just kind of for me kind of resets puts that reset button in my head like um this isn't what it was made to be in the mainstream yeah. kind of media so 
That's the first. I yeah. know that I rambled a bit there, but that's not uncommon. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, to me, to me, this like just the it it just uh, encapsulates what what funk is to me. And I know there's a lot more to it, mm-hmm. but but I love the sound, the sounds of this. And it's so f- interesting. You talked a lot at the beginning, both of you, about how this is a darker, it, it lyrical content, but musically it and it's it's kind of this. My wife and I call it that musical irony. You get this bright, funky, kind of happy sound on a lot of songs with with a darker, serious lyrical content. It's it's a yeah. really interesting uh, dichotomy there. One thing you mentioned though too that's really important is that when you have old and, and again, I might be thinking about this way too deep, but when you have all those different uh, instruments being on one space, one track. To me, that really does represent what America is, right? Mm. You have every flavor. I, I use the word flavor, but culture. <laughs> uh, you like have that. every culture trying to, you know, be part of this melting pot. And I think that the, the conversation uh, about having, like, and again, typically instruments you were not put together right i think i think you know you take one you put it by yourself it sounds one way we add another one it sounds a different way i and i think the 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 the, the thought that this brought to it was yes this is what america is right now it's 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 all of these movements and again the rhythm part and again we talk about funk funk is like um so we talk a lot about melody, right? And what it sounds like, but funk, the actual rhythm of funk is also in itself not willing to do status quo, right? Uh, matter of fact, you know, everything, every pop, every music genre has a, we are going to accent the first beat, right? The funk is like, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're going to access the dirt in the fourth beat. Why not? Uh, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's a game in, in itself. It's definitely something that we're not going to do status quo. I think yeah. the, the uh, again, um, I, I think it's some of the most funkiest music out there. Um, it, it comes down to who's willing to take that risk. Have you ever seen a uh, 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 funk album that had like four or five drummers on it? You know? <laughs> and it, it's like, okay, we're going to do a battle of the drums and percussions. Yeah. And she's going to win this album. And I think, again, that, that speaks again to this this, 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 this album too. Oh, I, I like that. The, the, what you're saying, Terry, and what Mike, you were saying about, um, you know the 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 tensions that are present here the the whole bunch of instruments the upbeat sound with a darker gravelly voice um make and and this reminder to try and get back in the headspace made me think about uh the title track which um you know if you're listening today on spotify or something Mm. digital you won't even notice it but there is a track called there's a riot going on and it is uh, four seconds long on Spotify. Uh, uh, it's just silent. And um, when asked about it later in life, uh, Sly said, we, we shouldn't have any riots in the world. So we didn't feel like we should put any audio with that track. 
Uh, mm. I imagine if you mm-hmm. bought this LP and brought it home, you're staring at the titles. You're trying to figure out like what happened here in the pressing that there's no track here for <laughs> for this track. Like, why can't I like find the groove that plays this track? It just skips to the next song. Um, we wouldn't necessarily get that uh, prophetic word, I guess, as we're listening to it digitally these days. Because um, it would just, you know, float right by. But there's something to that, again, that reminder of like, okay, yeah, this album came out in the early 70s. Most people were buying it in a record store, taking it out of the cellophane, putting it on their turntable, watching the titles as they go through it on this, you know, 12 by 12 space, that canvas. Um, it's just a very different way to manipulate the audience than artists are thinking about right now because they don't have necessarily they don't expect their audience to be buying anything physical anymore um uh yeah one more just like little (laughs) subtle subtle adjustment here to to this context there is so much on albums and music controlled by the label and controlled by the industry it's refreshing to see so much input here with the music and the lyrics and the layout and the and the the packaging of it that was designed and influenced and created by Sly himself because there's a lot of times we hear that you know they do the music but then that's it you know the order the yeah. track listing the the cover everything is out of their hands it sounds like he had a big part in this yeah but maybe I don't know if he was given more rope or less rope, but because of the extended delays and the pressure from the label to just get something out there, maybe they were just like, screw it. Whatever you give us is fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. <I don't> know. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. Whatever yeah. it takes. Get, yeah, exactly. Get it out there, man. Get it out exactly. There. Yeah. Thinking about uh, Sly and the Family, and the family Stone, I, I think one of the most popular songs was Family Affair. Right, I think that was the mm-hmm. the one that if if you at least for me, and when it came down to it, if you think it's a family affair, I know, so like it's sort of like the one of the songs that gets played at now probably like every barbecue or family <laughs> affair, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, but but not knowing the, the origins of it's you know um, of, of where it derived from. But I, I, one thing I will I will say to before you start to wrap up is that um, um, that the music of the seventies um, it's it's interesting because we're starting to see it replay out in the eighties nineties and now mm. even now we mentioned some of the hip hop era stuff and what they did was look for the funk albums first that's how they mm-hmm. started to sample right they sampled the yes. funk you listen yes. some listen to the yeah. hip hop uh, you would hear well actually Sly and the Family Stone is one of the albums that was very much sampled but yeah. you would hear funk overly sampled right and Absolutely. I think there is, that, that's not by coincidence I think it's because the spirit of of that protest that, that stand up spirit is just being passed on um, from generation to generation so that's one thing I would want to add to that Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah, there's like, um, there's a strength with a lot of uh, the African-American music at this time, right? Like trying to remind the audience that that there's a strength in being black. It's not anything to be downplaying. It's something to embrace, to 
to feel powerful in. And uh, I think I think that even when it's not explicitly said that way, you can feel that strength when yeah. you're drawing samples into newer, <laughs> more uh, contemporary music as well. Yeah. And I think that's that's part of that. That's part of it is to make sure that you know. And, and, and unfortunately, I don't know many people who pay attention to sample tracks on tracks. But the, yeah. you know, I re, you know, un, there are folks who will hear a song go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait yeah. a minute. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I gotta say, uh, I remember the first time I heard uh, Jay Z. Uh, it was one of his last albums, and he sampled Nina Simone, and again, uh, Four Black Girls, right? One of my favorite songs, right? And when this track began, I was like, oh, wait a minute, I know that track, okay? <laughs> I, that's one of my favorite songs, right? And then I now, now I'm going to listen to this, this Jay-Z track to see if he did it justice. Uh, yeah. did, he, did he just say, hey, this is a cool sound? Or... Did he like most hip hop artists say? There is a reason why I'm selecting this track because yeah, I wanted to make yeah. a continuation of what the previous artist was trying to mm. say, um, and, I, and I think that is something. And again, I can't speak for for Slide uh, <laughs> Family Stone. I think that is something that they will have love to see happen. A continuation of the art. So, yeah, we've we've talked about this a little bit already we've talked about legacy and and you know uh the songs still used in sampling used at you know family cookouts and all that stuff but the question and i want to ask this i think i i think i have a good idea what your answer is going to be like terry but i want to ask you a question uh what not what is relevant because we know this music is very relevant today everything happening socially uh politically culturally uh on the album, what do you think has what? Tell me something that's aged well, and maybe something that hasn't aged as well. If you can think of an example <laughs> of each, I'm putting you on the spot here. But, but what do you think about, about about that? You know, we're talking about an album that's it's now over 50 years old, you know, 52 yeah. years old this year. How how, how has it uh, stood against the test of time? Well, I, I think the so I I think the the spirit of the album is something that uh, is relevant still and has stood the test of time. Right? I, I think the fact of the matter is when you do have an uh, 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 songs that was produced from this album and you have artists seeking to sample it, like I was saying, um, then it's, its message is still clear to folks today. Um, I, you know, the one thing that I, I, I really... So again, going back to this album of them pretty much having like this instrument uh, goulash, if I call it right. You now you want to bring in everything that you can think of, and um, even that I, I think uh, one of you might have mentioned it. The 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 uh, you probably listened to your, your headphones about the, the riot going on that that particular piece uh, of like intro music coming in with the synthesizers and stuff like that. So this got me thinking, like, I haven't seen an ex a musical experimental phase since the 80s, right? I think since the 80s, people stopped experimenting with music. Um, I think that what I hear now, unfortunately, is we're trying to make sure it gets played 
the, the, the goal is to be played, not to be made, <laughs> right? Mm. And so I think that unfortunately uh, has not stood the test of time where musicians are looking to, I, I don't, honestly, I don't think they really cared who played it or not. I think it was, this is, mm. this is our message. This is what it is. And there are some musicians that still have that spirit. Don't get me wrong. I, I won't say you know yeah, right. it doesn't exist. But um, I was there. Was I, I was I was my, my my daughter, who's hopefully she's not listening right now. But because I'm gonna say this for her. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll be in a car listening to music, and she goes, "Oh, that music sucks." <laughs> <laughs> she thinks every song sinks, right? And and I think funny part about that is that she started to realize that it all sounds the same and it, the message uh. is the same and um, and I, I posted on my social media actually a couple of, a couple of days ago so uh, one morning I was like alright we go to the Wu-Tang now so we driving to school I, I, I put it in Wu-Tang I, I grew up on Wu-Tang Clan um, Wu-Tang is one that um, very similar to, to Slide and Family Stone came out with something like Okay, wait. What is this? Uh, like you got uh, these 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 kung fu flicks in the background with sword swinging. <laughs> There's no bridge. You got a bunch of guys just rapping. There's like we gonna go one after another. There was no bridge. There was yeah. nothing. It was so anti. It was like so not hip hop at that time. Yeah. Now you can live yeah. with the routine, but back then it was like no one wanted to play them because they they were not one. They weren't commercial lies. Second, they didn't have the same message. And three, yeah. they sound like nothing ever, ever done. <laughs> uh, so that's why. So, so I put it. I, I, I put it. I said, "We were listening to Wu Tang today on the ride, ride to school." And she looked over to me. And she goes, "When was it popular?" And I look at. I look back at her. I says, "Forever." And she gives me the side <laughs> eye. I says, "What part of Wu Tang Forever don't you understand?" <laughs> and that's what I said about Slide of Family Stone. It's like you know, hey, where was it popular? Like, it's forever. But what part of Forever. Forever. So, you understand? Uh, I, I, I think the the one to ask you a question. I, I think the fact of the matter is, is that because of the spirit of making the music and putting it out there, it will always find its way back. Um, and I'm not even talking about like this, like the things we play at the cookout, like the songs we play there. I am talking about whenever people are looking to say, "Hey, I'm looking." to feel a certain way there are very few albums and artists that's going to check that box right Um, I can name about five or six on my hand where you know I I, I think that we'll say hey I need to understand life right now this will always be one of those 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 albums Oh, I gotta have to think about that for a while. That that music hasn't been creative since the 1980s. But, uh, <laughs> well, experimental, I think, I think experimental, experimental, experimental. experimental. I mean, yeah. I think thinking back to like uh, Terry, I'm sure you know Ronnie Barrage, right? Like he is a, a really gifted drummer. Did a lot of justice work in our community, and he was mm-hmm. a guest on our podcast, and you know, still a talented musician. I know he does most of his music. Just because he loves it, not because he's yeah. got a record deal, not because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and he introduced us to, um, uh, shoot, what was the guy's name? Mike, who was such a, an incredible um, uh, interview. Joe. 
Joe Bowie. Joe Bowie. Joe Bowie is uh, a part did of. Did he not uh, introduce uh, us to, to, to Joe Bowie? Joe Bowie. Yeah. He did. Yeah. yeah. And he's in a funk band that continues to perform, not because, again, not because they're getting paid, <laughs> but right, because right. they just love it. And uh, and yeah, and I think there's something about that, like when when music stops being about the paycheck like what what can right. happen in those moments and i keep i keep thinking hey in trump's america we got to have some prophetic mm-hmm. out of the box music right we got to something's got to jump out of here and, and surprise us uh uh now, not that I, I, i'll say uh, again the, the 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 point where it is experimental that's why i like the adjectives experimental right yeah. that's 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 the prayer it's the it's the i want to take a chance on something um that's going to get pushed back right i'm going it to take that chance yes because right? we got musicians out the br we got musicians out there doing great stuff right um yeah um, the, the best there's some of the best stuff i've heard you won't hear on the radio um yep and that goes for all genres right uh, i i think the i even even following drummers they talk about drummers there's 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 is uh i can't remember her name now but just like little teenage drummer i think she's out of the uk um she would play the drums like she was like three years old right uh uh but she's amazing there's a fun that she does she also plays the guitar and the bass right and so mm-hmm. i think when she, I think she's probably 16 years old now maybe 17 years old but she uh she she was rocking out when she was like three or four years old on the drums got a chance to perform with um uh um oh my god what's the name of that band not guns and roses it starts with the end um Oh my gosh, can't think right now. But but the the, the fact that I'm saying is, is is musicians who are talented and say, I am now going to push the envelope in a different direction, and 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 no matter what the the blowback may be, um, I think the the last give you a good example in, in, in a hip hop genre. I think the the last musician I seen do that in hip hop was prob- probably Kendrick Lamar. Um, and when he yeah. when he did his his uh, I'm gonna be alright and he did it live and, and and it was a a a very visual very experimental thing it had a lot of also jazz and funk a little bit to it again he even brought us some uh, some some um, I think even Miles Davis in that track I I think the fact of uh, and, 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 and musicians usually do understand this is that there's a point where you could do what you do be the excellent musician that you are play the music that you play but when the world is happening around you you take a pause and you say i'm gonna push the envelope um we saw that happen again with sly and family stone we see that happen with uh uh guns uh, uh nevada back in the you know back in the yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh we saw that happen with um uh, 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 even, even as far, far back even as um uh, now I'm be horrible with his names. Um, uh, Billy Holiday, right? Billy oh, yeah. Holiday, um, and, and and Scott, and all those they're doing their thing, and it's something America or their surroundings happening, and they say, I'm going to take a pause and push the envelope. And sometimes yeah. to their own career being ruined. Um, yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, or, so, or but, only appreciated in hindsight. Yes. That, that often happens too, right? Yeah. We have, and I guess why that's what I mean by I think about Slider Family Stone. I, I think thirty years from now, there's going to be someone saying, oh, 
I get it, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna ring about. And, and and the thing about it too is, even though it's fifty years plus old, you you're gonna have folks who are gonna see it as new, um, yep. because very few people push that that envelope. And so, um, but yeah, I, 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 I besides besides the times, the outfits. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I, I do, I, I do think it, it, it lends itself to our future. Yeah. Well said. This next uh, question is whether the position was sound logic. This was ranked by Rolling Stone at number eighty-two in this list. Uh, it's a little tricky. Terry is a person who's not as you know focused on this list as Mike and I tend to be <laughs> to give your opinion on that. How does it feel though for you? Just like thinking in a. Uh, of all the music that's made, this is album number 82 of all time. Does that feel appropriate? Uh, a little far off? Uh... I gotta see. I gotta see the list, though. I think I need <laughs> to see the actual. So, you, you know, what's interesting is I, I, I again, I love music. I, I, I still, I still buy um, actual albums, like actual. Okay. Wax. Um, my my wife bought me a record player like five Christmases ago, and uh. there's nothing that sounds better than Wax. Um, and uh, in the first album I bought myself, it would not be a surprise. It, it was Oscar Peterson. I was the first. I was really like uh. looking for that, right? And I found an OP album. I also found Artatum, Scott Joplin, um, some of the you know some of the original folks who started this jazz stuff. Uh, but you know, I gotta say, eighty-two out of five hundred, two, five hundred, five hundred. I, 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 I gotta see the list. I don't have to see the list. I, 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 I just, I just do the, the, you know, the. You gotta get the fact that this, yeah, there are tracks on the album that will be played forever, right? Yeah, and that we gotta recognize. Like, I, I think, it, it, you know. Um, just like what's going on with Marvin Gaye, that's going to be played forever. Um, yeah. um, I, I feel like uh, Cooling Game, like you know, another awesome funk, Earth and a Fire. There, there, there are some albums that will be you know, like played forever. Eighty-two. I don't, I don't know. I, I, again, I have to see. I, I have to see the list. I, I do think it should be ranked, though. I think it should be yeah. ranked. Um, I would say definitely in the top 100, maybe top 200 for sure. Um, I'll have to see the list though. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's tricky because are they, are they, are they, are they rating it based on how many plays and albums it's, it's so, and, and critics yeah. know that uh, if, they're, if they're doing it based on musicality, I mean, wow, that's, that's a, that's a long list though. There's a yep. lot of great albums out there. Oh, man. There's so many. And, and yeah, the, the challenge becomes, like, how much does popularity play a role? How much does genre play a role? How much does historic significance? Uh, an album that influenced a whole bunch of people but never sold any copies. Like, is that considered great? You know, the, it's flawed for sure. <laughs> it, 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 right. There's so many questions. I'm going to talk about. <laughs> like, I, I, think, I think to myself, like, for example, um, you know, uh, there, there are some, there are some uh, music out there in which you go to see repeated in every high school uh, choral arrangements. You'll see them yeah. in bands, right? I just think it, the music has an impact that influences so much. 
Um, yep. uh, back in the day, I used to have a CD, uh, a homemade CD. Back when we had CDs, uh, and I used to call it, <laughs> I used to, I, I used to call it the emotional CD, where I had a, uh, I think it was like 13 tracks on there, and it was from different genres, and it it it, 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 it was a CD that. I play on the way to work because I knew that my, my jaw was so emotional. I wanted to get all my emotions mm-hmm. on 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 ready. So I had a yep. song that literally made me very like emotional crazy, right? I call it. Um and I had again some of the best songs on it, right? From Queen, I Will Rock You to like Bohemian Raspity was one of my favorite ones to Ray Charles. <laughs> like it was really the most eclectic C D of all times. Um but again I think album 82 and 82 is pretty high that's a pretty high number yeah that's a pretty yeah. high number yeah yep that is a pretty high number i i i, I would have this I, I, would, I would be interested to see like a top 50 <laughs> yeah it's worth it's worth checking out uh, if nothing more than just for the conversation so here's a question i get me in trouble right now so some of my questions that get me in trouble here's one <laughs> is elvis presley on this this any of his albums yeah yeah so that's that's what get me in trouble right there. See that that will get me in trouble right there. <laughs> well, also, we 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 have our issues with Elvis too. Uh, but tell us tell us what what gets you in trouble. We don't have to include it in the final. Well, again, no, I'm okay with it though. It's, it, I, I've been you know so Elvis and I, and I say this in all in the light of his movie coming out too, right? Um, uh, Elvis is one of the most amazing karaoke singers I've ever ever put on wax and I say that because everything and this goes back to the the, the, the criteria of of yeah. um, the, the roadie everything that Elvis have put out from his singing to his dancing to his look to his cadence to everything has come from another artist, right? And it's yep. like, if yep. I was to build a artist, then I would. It, it would be like Elvis is like the <laughs> best manufacturer artist of all times, right? And I, yep. and I, and I, and I, and I say this as a musician, right? Not, not, not to bash Elvis again. He had an amazing voice, but I heard it before. I literally heard it yep. before, like literally the voice itself. Um, yep. And I'm thinking to myself. Uh, one of the songs in his movie uh, that's done by Doja Cat, uh, Hound Dog. It was interesting that they used the actual artist who did uh, oh, really? Groundhog, right? And I was thinking to myself, what a way to understand what Elvis was. Now, um, try and rewrite history. Yeah, uh, it, was, yeah. It, was, it was so interesting. And there's, a, there's an interview like, okay, one of my favorite musicians of all time. That, now I have like my favorite piano players, favorite musicians. One of my favorite musicians of all time is Ray Charles. Um, and I and, and and Ray Charles, he has his A elements too, but he had an interview with uh, and, and he was asked about Elvis Presley and he has some very interesting things to say because like when I think of the and maybe because he has he has a title of uh, King of Rock and Roll maybe that's probably yes. what it is is that anytime you get a, a, a word like King or Grandfather or whatever it may be mm-hmm. my question as a musician would be what did you give to the genre right so what yeah. did you contribute and that's that's why I, I sort of fell short with him is that he you know, a godfather of of a soul, uh, James Brown. Without James Brown, there would be a lot of missing things in 
soul. Like there would be a lot of yep. missing things, right? Uh, he was the yep. first person to say, we got to do a cadence on one and four, right? That wasn't done before him, right? And people thought he was crazy for doing it, right? Um, and yep. and, and uh, Ray Charles, I mean, he was the first person to really uh, incorporate country and jazz and R&B and the first person to use uh, gospel into R&B. Like he, you know, again, without that, you wouldn't have Ray Charles. You know, Ray Charles is a, you look at someone like Oscar Peterson. I can't, I didn't mention his, yeah. his, his tempting and fifth note. And there's so many people who have put things like without them, this wouldn't exist. And I try and I, I'll go back and forth with this without Elvis. What would rock and roll not have? I, I don't. I don't know. Like you remove Elvis from rock and roll, I still think yeah. you have rock and roll. <laughs> like, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and that's the thing that comes. But uh, like the slide of Family Stone, I, I think they should. Uh, hopefully, they hired Elvis. That's why I'll leave it at that. Hopefully, Elvis is not higher than slide because that would be sad. That would be sad to me. This is what we just discussed tonight. That would be sad to me. <laughs> there is one Elvis album uh, that is higher. Uh, and is it the Sun Sessions Mike? Or is it his uh debut or his uh his first album album? I can't remember anymore. I think it is the Sun Sessions Ben, but we saw in this version of the list we saw albums and other artists kind of like Elvis really moved down and the Sun Sessions was uh, number 11 on the previous versions of the list and this time it's 78 now the Sun Sessions is not only it's Elvis and you taught you touched on on some of the complications with Elvis Terry but also was a compilation album the Sun Sessions isn't even a, a studio album, album, album. Yeah. it's a compilation <laughs> album of his of, of of his early of his early works that weren't on albums Wow uh, so all yeah. the songs that were uh, like on promotionals or 45s it would mm. that's what that was so it's like how is that an important album to people you know so um yeah and then and I, get- I think his we did we uh one more thing we we did review his his debut uh lp just called elvis or elvis presley but that also has moved way down and i don't think we get to that for a while and that does uh demonstrate the change in diversity and the change even in in structure and and philosophy of this new list that came out in 2020 compared to the list that came out in 2003 and 2012 which really 12. wasn't very different yeah. Um, yeah. yeah 2003 and 12 that's right um yeah so i i agree with you terry um it is it is a shame that but i guess i don't want to advocate for it but i guess we can't argue the the cultural impact that Elvis had over the years for better or for worse, right or wrong um, and I guess that still, we see that uh, impressed upon this list a bit, but I would agree with you that I'm very pleased to see Sly and the Family Stone this album here, uh, Ben you mentioned this earlier um, I'm happy to see an actual album, studio album and not a greatest hits or a compilation Right, yeah. Up this high because I think it was number sixty or sixty-one. We were just about to we we had all the notes, we were yeah. ready to record it, and then Rolling Stone dropped this new list and we we kinda had a bit of a mental breakdown <laughs> for a couple days trying to figure out what we were gonna <laughs> we do. We start over again. And then yeah. um 
yeah, we decided to start over. So, um, but we had said all along, you know, we much prefer to do studio albums because it's a collection of music from one period. And yes. this, I, I'm kind of recapping here, but this, this encapsulates that one moment in the band's life, particularly uh, Sly and his experience, his life, his emotions, his thoughts on what was happening in the country, as opposed to a greatest hits, which, yeah, it's great music, but it doesn't really represent yeah. all the songs yeah. as they're presented together originally. So I we've said that we don't feel that they really have as much of a place on this list as actual studio LPs. Yeah, yep. studio LPs is a point, though, because you're right. It, it's, it's a time capsule. That's what it is. It's yeah. a time capsule. And, yeah, and the, greatest, the, the greatest, the greatest, uh, don't get me wrong, I love greatest hits. Like, they're, you know, I, I gotta be honest yeah, with you, they're, fun. Uh, they're great fun to have. They're good to have in your collection. You pull out the parties, whatever, they're greatest hits, right? But yeah. if you're trying to, again, music is about capturing, uh, and, sorry, I, I wouldn't even say this music, I would say arts. It's about capturing a time and space, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I had, I had, the pleasure to uh, go mm-hmm. down to um, uh, uh, North Carolina this summer with Charles Dumas. Ben, you know Charles, but no yeah. Charles Dumas, right? Oh man, yeah. Charles Dumas won the Life, the Living Legends Award uh, uh, as an actor. So I went down there with him, and it's being around all these actors and and these lesbians. And one of the things I mentioned, and I, when I came back, was how how honored I was to be in a space where people captured space and time. Right? They act. They 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 they, they told stories about space and time, like what it was mm. at this time mm. in this space. Right? Every show you saw, there was a location and there was a time period those are the two things that is always in every show location and time period and the same thing goes with music is that when you have an lp again one of the reasons why routine 36 chambers is going to be on my number one number one one, definitely one of my top hip-hop albums right is because 1994 yeah when he talked about cash with everything around me, he talked about that song that captured 1994 in the projects. Mm. As a kid who grew up in the projects, yeah, mm. I, I visualized that, right? And so when you have an album that is produced to capture time and space, that that that's always going to be better than any any greatest hits. And, and again, mm. um, that's why I think this this the Slider Family Stone one again. Uh, you say you can't really say slide the Family Stone and his album and not say the year. I think you gotta mm-hmm. also incorporate the year right. it was yeah. done because it's yeah. it capitalized okay what we gonna what we gonna hear about it. So um mm-hmm. and, and again that's, that's like one that. of the, the best parts of having musicians do albums. Uh, again, yeah not as popular anymore though because of the way music is delivered, but uh you know yeah. maybe one day. <laughs> Cool. Well, hey, man, uh, we'll uh, wrap this up here. We've, we've kept you much beyond the time that we said we would, but we really appreciate uh, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, Terry. And no, this um, was fun. I, I, we always we always get more insight when we have a guest on uh, who knows more than we do about something. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's really helpful. Yeah. Um, we like to talk about uh, if there's anything else by the, this artist on the list. And uh, on the 2020 list, there are two more albums at 
number 119 is their album Stand. And then uh, the aforementioned Greatest Hits album falls from 61 all the way down to 343. So it's still here. Um, the older lists did have a, a, a fourth album, uh, their album Fresh from 1973. Um, it fell off this time around. I'm not sure why that is. But when we get to the end of this journey through 500, Mike, maybe we'll go back and catch these albums that, that we missed here at, at some point many, many years in the future. <laughs> Before we sign off, Terry, you said you'd be uh, you'd be disturbed if there's a few albums not on the list. Um, and Purple Rain does come at number eight mm. best, so no yeah. disappointment. No disappointment there. And um, of course, Thirty Six Chambers uh, was number twenty-seven. Uh, I, I could so accept that. that. Uh, I think you know. <laughs> yeah, I can accept uh, that. Yeah, uh, hip hop. Hip hop and rap is is very well represented on this list. Um, we yeah. talked about "To Pimp a Butterfly" number nineteen on this list, and a few mm-hmm. others we talked about as well. Uh, yeah, we we talked about what's Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On," which is the number one album on this list. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah lots of good representation there. So yeah, if you have a minute, uh, Terry, and of course anybody listening in, yeah, check out the list. It's certainly. Uh, if nothing else, uh, it's interesting <laughs> yep. okay, <laughs> and starts a conversation. I'm watching out for sure because as a person who, you know, uh, loves music and, yeah. and, and and really have appreciated what artists have brought to, like, again, the brilliant part of having uh, albums like this is that you can say, "Oh my gosh, this is what the '70s sound like." Okay, this, uh-huh. is, this is right. <laughs> this this is what the artists do for us, mm-hmm. and so no matter you know, no matter what, like you know, I I, I think that's the part that um, we, need, we need to pay homage to is the, the fact that yep. these these amazing folks yep. leave us with this. So. We only have uh, 418 albums to go, so if there's anything else that you see that piques your interest, uh, let us know. We'd love to have you back as a guest on a future episode. If we ever get um, to if we ever get to Wu-Tang or Purple or Purple or Purple Rain, I'm all, I'm all game. <laughs> we circle back, right <laughs> over again. Uh, Mike, what do we got coming up next time? Well, next time we move to album number 83, and that is. Dusty in Memphis by Dusty Springfield. So we are really jumping genres here from funk back to kind of that country folk. I guess to wait. Yeah, country folk, uh, yeah. uh, singer songwriter folk stuff. So um, once again, we want to thank you, Terry, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here, and we thank you for your time. Absolutely, absolutely, thank you for having me. And of course, we want to thank you at home for tuning in. Uh, Until next time, we hope you take care of yourselves, take care of those around you who are close to you, and of course, we hope you join us next time right here on the SoundLogic Podcast. Take care, everyone. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.